Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, June 29th, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And as a reminder, be sure to subscribe to our show and leave us a review in your podcast app. You can follow our department across all social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at LA Public Health. And now, Supervisor Barger. Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. I'm joined today by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Department of Public Health, to provide an update on the county's COVID-19 case counts. Additionally, Dr. Christina Galley, Director of the Department of Health Services, will share the status of the healthcare system to care for those who are seriously ill. Yesterday, Governor Gavin Newsom announced the closure of bars in seven counties throughout California, including Los Angeles County. The LA County Health Order, Officer Order has been amended to require all bars, breweries, pubs, wineries, and tasting rooms to close unless they offer meals. This includes closing bar areas in all restaurants. The state considers this necessary to slow the recent spread of the coronavirus across our region. This is an important reminder for all of us that we need to be intentional and careful if we want to continue our path toward reopening and recovery. Safer at Home was implemented across the state and in LA County because it was absolutely the fastest way to dramatically decrease the spread of COVID-19. But it is not a sustainable path forward given the impacts of homelessness, health, and youth development. However, the vast majority of people in Los Angeles County are still susceptible to COVID-19. We must follow practices that allow us to get back to work and back to living our lives safely. Please continue to wear face coverings when you leave your home, which is critically important to protect yourself and those around you. Also, maintain safe social distancing. Keep six feet apart from anyone you encounter who is not a member of your household. Most importantly, we ask that you are as cautious and careful in public. Our ability to slow the spread relies on us taking these precautions seriously. Staying at home when we can and limiting close contact are the best ways to prevent community spread. Gathering in groups puts everyone at risk of infection, so avoid gatherings in public at your house with people you don't live with. It only takes one person to spread COVID-19. Working together, we can minimize the burden of the coronavirus while protecting the overall health and well-being of our residents. Meanwhile, the county is aiming to provide testing. Previously, we identified a goal of conducting 15,000 tests per day by August. We have already surpassed that goal and are currently testing approximately 17,000 individuals each day and have tested more than 1 million residents to date. If you think you've been exposed to someone who has tested positive or you are experiencing symptoms, contact your health provider and ask about getting tested. Due to the 4th of July holiday this weekend, there are fewer appointments available in LA County. However, appointments are available for the week of July 6th and 10th. If you do not have a primary care provider or cannot get connected with one, registration for LA County operated sites will be available starting Friday, July 3rd at covid19.lacounty.gov testing. 
As our efforts continue, one of the most important metrics we mon monitor is a number of new patients who require hospitalization every day. By focusing on patients in the hospital, we can better understand the spread of within the community without being misled by increased testing access. We must support our healthcare system to meet the needs of more coronavirus patients while continuing to serve our entire community. With that, I would like to invite Dr. Barbara Ferreira to give the latest numbers. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much, Supervisor Barger and the entire Board of Supervisors. I know that uh, all of our community members join me in being so grateful for what you've been doing to slow the spread of COVID-19 and to protect our entire LA community. Uh, to update you on our current status, I'm sad to report 22 additional people passed away from COVID-19. 18 of the people who passed away are over the age of 65, and 17 of the people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. Four people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and one person in this age group had underlying health conditions. Of the 22 newly reported deaths today, seven were among people who resided in skilled nursing facilities. This does bring the total number of deaths to 3,326 for LA County. And to everyone who's grieving, a family member or a friend who passed away from COVID-19, our hearts go out to you, and we're so sorry for your loss. For the 3,093 people who passed away where race, ethnicity has been identified, 43% are Latino, Latinx, 27% are white, 17% are Asian, 11% are Black, African American, less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. 93% of the people who have died from COVID-19 had underlying health conditions, and this number has stayed consistent throughout the pandemic. Today, we're reporting 2,903 new cases. This is the largest number of new cases we have ever reported. And today's reported cases brings the total number of people who have tested positive for COVID-19 in LA County to over 100,000 people. It's actually at 100,772. 100, the 100,772 total cases we're reporting include 3,643 total cases reported by the city of Long Beach and 1,276 total cases reported by the city of Pasadena. Both cities have an independent health department. We're also among the people who have tested positive. We're confirming 660 cases among people experiencing homelessness. And among these cases, 250 were referred for isolation and quarantine sites uh, where they're appropriately isolated for the duration of their illness. These are people who were living in sheltering, in shelters or interim housing. There are currently 1,710 people who have confirmed cases of COVID-19 and are hospitalized. This also is the highest number of hospitalizations that we are reporting uh, for many, many weeks, uh, over many, many weeks. 26% of the people who are hospitalized are now in the ICU, and 17% of the people who are hospitalized 
are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 739 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings where there's at least one confirmed or suspect case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 574 active investigations and we've closed out 165 investigations. Remember, we close an investigation when there's been 14 days without any new reported positive cases. These settings include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, correctional facilities, workplaces, food and retail, and educational settings. The total number of confirmed cases in an institutional setting is now 19,059, and this includes 11,795 residents and 7,264 staff. This now represents 19% of all of our cases. And again, you'll notice a small decline in the percentage of cases that are occurring in institutional settings. I am sad to report that 1,754 people who were living in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 1,606 of the people who lived in institutional settings and passed away resided in skilled nursing facilities. And to all who are mourning the passing of a loved one who resided in an institutional setting, our thoughts and prayers are with you every day. We are reporting 1,999 confirmed cases at some point in jail facilities. 804 are among people who are incarcerated as reported by the Sheriff's Department, and 295 are among staff. There are 184 cases in the state prison, 128 among people who are incarcerated, and 56 among staff. And there are 760 cases in the federal prison facilities, 744 among people who are incarcerated, and 16 among staff. We've had an increase in the number of people who are infected in our juvenile facilities. We're now at 61 cases, 27 among youth, and 34 among staff. I'm very sad to report the death of a person who was incarcerated at Men's Central Jail. This brings the total number of deaths among people who were incarcerated in jails and prisons to 13. And to the family and friends of the person who passed away, we wish you healing and peace during this very sad time. You can find information on confirmed and suspect cases in these facilities, as well as our dashboard at publichealth.lacounty.gov. There's over 1 million COVID-19 test results for individuals that have been reported to the LA County Department of Public Health, and 9% of the total number of people tested were positive. The seven-day average of the daily for the daily positivity rate is now at about 8.4%. I wanted to talk with you for a minute about the alarming increases we're seeing in COVID-19 cases, positivity rates, and hospitalizations and how these increases reflect the actions taken by businesses and individuals three to four weeks ago as reopenings began across LA County. Yesterday, Governor Newsom ordered bars closed in Los Angeles County. And this happened because we, along with many other counties, are seeing a great deal of community spread. And while it's so disappointing to take a step back on our recovery journey, it's critical that we work together to protect the health of our residents and the capacity of our healthcare system. And because there's so much at stake since these continued increases, 
will result in many more people becoming seriously ill and many more deaths from COVID-19. Our collective actions by both businesses and individuals is the only way that we can actually slow the spread. This really means that all businesses must follow the public health directives for physical distancing and infection control as they're reopened. It also means that residents have to practice physical distancing and wear their cloth face coverings whenever they're outside their home in contact with any other people. And now I wanna look a little bit at the data that's driving our concerns and that influences our decision-making. And I'll take the first slide, which has us looking at the data that demonstrates that there's significant community spread of the virus. This graph shows a seven-day average of daily reported new cases of COVID-19. As we've mentioned, our daily reported cases are sometimes skewed by some underreporting over a weekend or large backlogs of cases uh, that are being reported by labs. But most labs at this point have, uh, are submitting to us electronically, and those are not the conditions that are contributing to the increases we've seen for this last week. And the early spikes that we saw a while back really did reflect the increases in testing capacity. But again, our testing capacity has been robust for the last couple of weeks, and the increases we're seeing today do not reflect an increase in testing capacity. And when you look at the data as a seven-day rolling average over time, you can see that there's a clear picture of the sharp increase in new cases over the past two weeks. And this does indicate definitively that we have increased community transmission. And we'll take the next slide. This slide shows us a seven-day average of the daily percent of positive tests over time. Early on in the pandemic, as you can see on this table, the capacity to test was very limited. So testing was reserved for people who were seriously ill or who were symptomatic and at higher risk of becoming seriously ill. And we had a very high rate of positivity early on in the pandemic. As testing became more widely available and more people were being tested, we saw the positivity rates drop, hitting the lowest daily rate of 4.6% positivity in late May. In recent weeks, even as testing capacity has remained relatively stable, we have seen our positivity rate jump to almost 9%. We'll see the next slide. This slide also shows us a three-day average of daily current COVID-19 hospitalizations. In just two weeks, we've seen an increase of 27% in the number of daily hospitalizations. From 1,319 at the beginning of the month to 1,669 on June 27th. While we've not hit the levels of daily hospitalizations that we saw at our highest point in late April, we are quickly heading in that direction because we have so many more people that are now positive. The fast increases in cases, positivity rates, and hospitalizations are cause for all of us to have great concern. And you'll hear more from Dr. Galley about this in a few minutes. I get asked a lot about why this is happening. And I think the reasons that we're seeing these increases can be explained by some of the other data that we've been collecting about the actions of businesses and individuals throughout our reopenings. As I mentioned, we began our recovery journey and businesses and public spaces reopened, and we knew when that happened 
we would see an increase in cases and an increase in hospitalizations. What we didn't expect, however, was to see this steep an increase this quickly. And we know that there have been many businesses and many individuals that have done everything right. From the very beginning, they've adhered to every single health officer order and followed our directives. But as you're gonna see from our data, we also know that there are a number of businesses and individuals who have not followed the directives and they've gone back to living as if COVID-19 is not in our community. So I need to say to all of us, businesses and individuals across the county, that at this point, if you're not part of the solution to slowing the spread, you're ending up being part of the problem. We'll see the next slide. We do have data demonstrating that there have been gaps in compliance with directives amongst businesses. As businesses have reopened, the most common complaints we've received are around businesses not posting uh, and completing the infection control protocols, not requiring face coverings for either employees and or when appropriate for patrons, and not enforcing physical distancing for employees and customers. Our inspectors provided 65% of the retail establishments they visited with the protocols because most businesses were not in compliance and they provided 83% of the restaurants that they visited with protocols also because they were struggling to be in compliance. But this past weekend, three weekends after our res restaurants have been open, 33% of the restaurants were still not able to adhere to the physical distancing protocols indoors. And 44% of the restaurants had workers who were not wearing face coverings and face shields. For the bars that newly had reopened this past weekend, 49% of the bars were not adhering to physical distancing protocols indoors, and fully 54% uh, of the bars did not have their workers wearing face coverings and or face shields. While we know that there are many businesses that are following the rules, and we thank everyone for doing so, the data indicates that we have a problem with the number of businesses that have not yet come into compliance. And this does have an impact on the ability of cases to spread in these settings. We'll look at the next slide. And there also have been, as many people have noted, individual actions taken by individuals that can be contributing to the increases. We noted before that the fact that there were lots of people in crowded situations, uh, many at protests, others were just at gatherings without face coverings and without uh, having uh, physical distancing of at least six feet, that there was a chance that there would be spread. Uh, we also collect data from the University of Southern California on self-reported behaviors. And this has shown us that the percent of people that are reporting that they're staying home now except for essential activities has decreased another 14%. The survey also shows us that the percent of people who have had close contact in the past seven days with people they don't live with has increased by 36%. And we've learned from the data generated by the app Foursquare that on June 20th, the first weekend that bars in LA County were permitted to reopen, over 500,000 people visited nightlife spots across our county. We know today that there's a 42% increase in cases amongst younger people, those people between the ages of 18 to 40. And this has happened 
just in the last two weeks. And as a reminder, uh, just because you're in a younger age group and maybe less likely uh, if you don't have underlying health conditions to suffer uh, debilitating effects from the virus, you are a spreader and you have easy ability to spread this infection to other people who in fact do have higher risk uh, for both uh, needing a hospitalization and or even potentially dying from COVID-19. So immediate action is needed. And uh, all of us, businesses and individuals, need to figure out how we personally are gonna help to turn things around. Otherwise, we're quickly moving towards overwhelming our healthcare system and seeing even more devastating illness and death. Here are the things I think we can do right now at this very tenuous moment in our pandemic in LA County. Stay home if you're elderly or you have serious underlying health conditions. There's way too much, uh, there's way too much uh, infection circulating in the community for people who are at higher risk to actually be spending any time outside that's not absolutely essential, outside of their home. Everyone else, you should also stay home as much as possible and limit activities outside of your home to what you really need to do. I know you need to go to work, you need to get your groceries and your medicine, and you may need to make medical visits, but this is the time to hunker down back in your home whenever you can. And always wear your face covering and keep physical distance when you're outside your home. You can continue to wash your hands frequently. And I like to suggest that we all avoid what I call the three C's, confined spaces. Being outdoors is always safer than being indoors, especially when you're with people that are not uh, from your household. Avoid crowds. The more people in a space or an area, the greater the risk of someone being infected and infecting others. And avoid close contact. Staying farther apart is always safer than being closer together. This is a good time to return to the ways we all stayed connected during the early days of the pandemic. Call, text, FaceTime, Zoom. Use all of the technology we have so that we stay connected from afar. Our actions to slow the spread cannot wait. We do need to do these actions now and for the near future. I can't stress enough what's at stake at this moment. We don't want to overwhelm our healthcare system and we want to make sure it retains the capacity to care for everyone who needs it. We don't want to experience even more tragedy of seeing friends and family members pass away from COVID-19. I know we can do this because we have done it. Please, let's not let go of everything we worked hard and sacrificed for. We did slow the spread and we must continue to work together to turn this around. And now Dr. Galley will present some new research from the Department of Health Services. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. Christina Galley, the Director of the Department of Health Services. As Dr. Ferrer just mentioned, things have changed a great deal over the last several days, and we're now seeing a very different trajectory in the number of cases and the number of hospitalizations across the county. This change is for the worse and is, a very, is very much a cause for concern, and it means we all need to do a better job and take our individual responsibility to do the things we know will work in combating the spread and continued transmission of this virus. 
the more individuals ignore the guidance on wearing masks and cloth face coverings, physically distancing when possible, exercising discretion on how often and when and where you go outside of your house, the longer this virus will continue to spread across the county and the more lives will ultimately be put at risk. Today I'll speak to two things. First, I'll provide an update on the modeling effort where we're looking at the demand projections for hospital beds across the county. And I'll also share information about what the Department of Health Services, as well as all hospitals across the county, are doing to prepare, prepare for an anticipated increase in patient volume in the days and weeks to come. To be clear, if there is one thing that you could take away from this briefing, let it be this. Hospitalizations are on the rise in the county. Transmission has increased within our communities. And as a result, we all need to be more careful about the steps we are taking to prevent transmission. People need to pay attention to this and wear their masks and physically distance whenever possible. It is a simple and very straightforward message, but will absolutely make a difference. Shifting now to the model, we first introduced the model on April 10th. Our goal at that time and still today is to make the best possible predictions about the spread of COVID-19 within Los Angeles County and assess the effectiveness of different interventions, including physical distancing and other measures. In the initial weeks after the county moved to reopening, we saw transmission in new cases and new hospitalizations hold generally steady. But over the past week, things have certainly taken a turn for the worse. We are now seeing increased transmission of COVID-19, an escalation in new cases, and as Dr. Ferrer mentioned, this is an escalation in new cases even above, apart from the increase in testing that has taken place over the past several weeks and months, and in the setting of an increased test positivity rate, and also an escalation in new COVID-related hospitalizations. These curves, as you'll see in a few minutes, are no longer flat. Instead, they all have a very steep upward trajectory. Last week, as just one data point, we estimated that one in 400 individuals in Los Angeles County was infected and not isolated, either at home or in a hospital bed, and thus was capable of transmitting COVID-19 virus to others. Today, we estimate that that number is one in 140. This is a three-fold increase from what we presented last week. This means that it is highly likely that those in Los Angeles are going to interact with people who are infectious, especially as we move toward reopening. Many of these people, remember, have no symptoms at all, and there's no way for you to tell whether or not they are infected. This is why wearing your mask and minimizing interaction with others to the greatest extent possible is still key. Turning to the first slide, before we go on to this week's projections, I want to remind you of what we showed you last week in terms of new hospitalized case projections. Remember, the white dots are actual data representing the number of new patients with COVID-19 who require hospitalization each day. We saw a decline initially several weeks ago and then stable numbers after the implementation of the Safer at Home Health Officer order. Last week, the model projected that if there was no change in transmission, this pattern would continue into the summer. So now let's look at what happened to our hospitals in the past week and what that's telling us about the future. Shifting to the next slide, clearly this graph is much different than the one that we showed last week. Over the past week, we have seen a consistent rise in the number of new daily hospitalizations of COVID-19 patients. 
This sharp upturn in daily hospital admissions for patients with COVID-19 reflects an increase in transmission two to four weeks ago. Remember, this day delay exists because once you are exposed, it takes between two and 14 days for the virus to incubate, and then another few days for you to have symptoms that worsen to the point where you need hospitalization. It is likely this increased rate of transmission has continued since the past two to four weeks, over the past two to four weeks. And if so, we can anticipate several weeks of sharply rising hospital volumes ahead of us, even if steps are taken today to reduce the spread. Now let's look at the next slide, which is the R, or the effective transmission rate. It's important to remember that what is happening in our hospitals is really reflective of what's happening in the broader community. Remember that R is the number of new people that are infected by each infected person on average. If R is greater than one, then the number of cases will gradually increase over time. And if the number is less than one, then the number of new cases will gradually decline over time. Currently, our estimates for the effective R is at 1.26. This R is now solidly greater than one, and we expect the number of new cases to rise quickly. We use the number of daily, real, actual hospital admissions to calculate the number R so that we are not misled by the increased availability of testing to individuals who might be asymptomatic or only mildly symptomatic. Even though the R of 1.26 is less than what it was at the beginning of the pandemic when it was above two or even potentially three, this R can change and cause quite quickly a large rise in new cases because much broader base of individuals are now infected today than they were at the beginning of the pandemic. Moving to the next slide, this slide shows hospital bed demand. An increase in hospitalization, of course, translates into an, an increased demand for new for hospital, hospital beds. The red horizontal line that you see on the slide is the capacity at the end of last week for overall hospital beds at approximately 3,000 in the county. We are meeting the demand right now for hospital beds. But if the predicted increase in new patients requiring hospitalizations materializes as these charts indicate it might, the number of hospital beds could become inadequate in the next few weeks. In many cases, the people who will need these beds have already been exposed to COVID-19 because again, what is happening in our hospitals is reflective of what happened a couple of weeks ago in our communities. Turning to ICU bed capacity, and those charts are, all of these charts are available online on the DHS website. It is a little bit of a different story compared to overall hospital beds. ICU beds in any hospital are the most limited and precious resource. And in the near future, even with the more limited use of intensive care that we're using for patients with COVID-19 versus what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, we are likely to fill our available ICU beds in the very near future. Please know that that does not mean that we are out of ICU beds today. We track ICU bed availability on a daily basis, and as reported by hospitals across the county today, there are still approximately 200 open ICU beds today in the county. And I'll speak in a few minutes about additional steps that hospitals can take to further increase ICU and other beds. In terms of ventilators in our hospital system, we project that we have an adequate ventilator supply for at least the next four weeks. This shortage of hospital beds can be met by changes within hospitals themselves, which, which is known as hospital surging or implementation of hospital disaster plans. And I'll address that in just a minute. 
finally, on the next slide, we look at what mortality rates could look like in the coming weeks. Although I know we've all been heartened by the recent declines in the number of reported deaths from COVID-19, our model suggests that we are now, very sadly, likely to see an increase in mortality in the weeks ahead. You can turn off the slides. Shifting now to a discussion of how hospitals are preparing for this potential increase in patients, let me first begin by saying the obvious. The best place to treat patients who require hospital-level care is in a hospital. This is what hospitals were designed for. They have the underlying infrastructure that is needed to care for acute-level patients, and that is where patients should be cared for, if at all possible. Alternate care sites present a host of challenges in treating patients who require acute-level care. Hospitals can surge to accommodate additional patients and then what they're caring for today, and they do this in two main ways. First, they reduce elective admissions through canceling elective procedures or elective surgeries so that they can make room for patients who have COVID-19. They also work to expeditiously discharge patients who no longer require an acute level of care. These steps, depending on the hospital and what their patient mix is, can clear 20 or 30 or sometimes even 40% of the beds to accommodate additional patients. Second, patients have the capacity to add typically 20% and sometimes more beds above their normal capacity and can take steps to open these beds should the needs arise. This includes the ability to both flex bed types between different types, for example, flexing med surge and ICU beds, and also adding beds into non-traditional locations like in the emergency department or in recovery room areas. At DHS hospitals specifically, we are tracking important data to understand when hospitals need to implement these surge plans, and we're also adding new clinical staff, including nurses and respiratory therapists, to be able to take care of patients. DHS also includes the county's Emergency Medical Services Agency, which works with all hospitals, both public and private, on their surge, on implementing their surge plans and adding capacity and being able to balance out supply and demand across the county. It also has an active role in distributing supplies and ventilators and works closely with the state on the distribution of state and national stockpile resources. Hospitals, both public and private, are prepared to cancel elective surgeries and procedures if they need to, and to implement other aspects of their surge plans in the days and weeks ahead. The second thing then to take away from today is that the hospital system within Los Angeles County is prepared, but please know that these resources and the dedicated staff that work in them are very precious. We want to avoid the need to surge at all costs. The way to do that is the same tools that we've shared that Dr. Ferrer just went through. It's about wearing your masks, following the health officer orders and the reopening of businesses, and following the other guidelines that you've heard. Reopening can give a false sense of security and safety. We are not opening, reopening because the virus is gone. Instead, we all know that safer at home is not sustainable. People need to work. They need to support their families. They need to engage in activity that supports their mental health and so much more. But the reality is that in doing all of these things, we all interact with people who are infectious but might not appear sick. This is why it is so important for everyone to wear their facial coverings and to respect physical distancing whenever possible. 
to wash your hands, clean surfaces, quarantine and isolate when called for. And if you are particularly vulnerable to serious infection, if you're elderly or you have an underlying health condition, it's even more imperative to stay at home if at all possible. I know we all want to go back to normal, but we're nowhere near that. And if people continue to let themselves believe that reopening means it is safe to not follow these public health guidelines, then today's data should show how wrong that thought could be. Remember that 100 in every, for one in every 140 people in Los Angeles County are likely infectious. Last week, that number was one in 400. Spread is increasing, and in the course of your daily life, it is highly likely that you will be exposed and around someone who is infected. We have all seen many people outside without masks. This careless activity puts all of us at risk, especially those who do not have the privilege of teleworking from their home and have no choice but to leave in order to make a basic income to support themselves and their family. We need to support local businesses, but for all of the businesses, please follow the public health guidelines that the Department of Public Health has put out and explained. It is up to you and to all of us to do what we can to reduce transmission across the county. That I'll turn it over to Lori for questions. And ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please press one then zero on your telephone keypad. You can withdraw your question at any time by repeating the one zero command. And if you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, for questions, you may press one then zero at this time. We'll go to Colleen Shelby with Los Angeles Times. Your line is open. Hi, thank you for taking my questions. Um, first, I wanted to know how you're determining which restaurants and businesses um, inspectors are visiting given the amount of increase in cases kind of stemmed uh, to those areas. Also wondering if you could say which business was recently shut down due to over 100 infections. I believe that um, Barbara Ferrer mentioned that earlier this morning on a call and was wondering if you could offer any more details about that. Sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, there are over 40,000 restaurants, so it's a good question about, you know, how we select restaurants. It really is somewhat random, um, although we uh, certainly are looking at our database about places where there may have been uh, citations that were issued in the past. Mostly what we're trying to do is get to uh, every single part of the county so that everyone has an opportunity to hear from us and get direction from us. Um, at this point in time, you know, we visited, I think, well over probably 3,000 restaurants um, as part of sort of the technical assistance side of our house. You know we also do regular inspections. So I want to say the inspections at restaurants also continue, and we use that as an opportunity, obviously, to ec educate and at this point to help people uh, running those businesses or operating those businesses come into compliance. Um, I, I'm going to have to look uh, up at the name of the uh, business that, in fact, was, was ordered to uh, shut down. Um, and I believe that that kind of information will be posted by us. So uh, if it's not posted today, it should be posted by tomorrow. So we'll take the next question. We go to Hal Eisner with Fox 11 News. Yeah, hi. Hi, Dr. Ferreira. Thank you very much for taking my question. Uh, you know, you talk a lot about families uh, getting together, 
not a great thing to do right now, I, I gather. But July 4th is right around the corner. And I'm wondering, uh, one, about your, your advice with regard to July 4th and about beaches. If we're going to be seeing some kind of curtailment of people being able to be on the beaches because of concern over people gathering. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, you know, I, I too appreciate that, you know, this is a big holiday weekend and would love to spend it with close family and friends. I strongly advise against it. Um, this is going to be a, a different summer uh, and this is going to be a different July 4th uh, celebration for all of us. Uh, as you noted from what Dr. Galley presented today, uh, one in 140 people are infected with the virus walking around not knowing that they're infected. So your chances go up every time you're around people uh, that are not in your household in terms of your ability to uh, become infected and then obviously your ability to infect others. So this is a time to still stay within your household uh, as much as possible. Many of us are going to work again, so we already have an additional set of exposures because we're at work. Uh, I just be really mindful that if you can find ways uh, to connect with people, again, uh, using technology, that's the best thing to do this weekend. And obviously, being outside is always a lot better than being inside. So, you know, we have beautiful places to walk, beautiful places uh, to take a picnic, but you should have that picnic with members that are in your household. And uh, take solace in the fact that, you know, we're all going to do it this way, uh, this July 4th, in hopes that by next July 4th, which you know, I see is totally possible. Uh, we're celebrating in ways we're much more accustomed to. Um, and your second question about the beaches is a good question. Uh, we are working, obviously, with the beach mayors and with all of our supervisors to look at all of the options for finding ways to stay safe over the July 4th holiday. And, and as you note, uh, we've, uh, we've said from the beginning, we have to use every single tool we have uh, to make sure that we're containing uh, the spread of the virus and uh, we'll be working with all of our partners to make good decisions so that people can stay safe and i just want to remind us like it, this is temporary you know this is not forever this is not even for uh an entire of uh, another year this is a temporary a set of temporary steps that we're asking everyone to take because we have seen these dramatic increases we need to get this back under control so that we can remain on a recovery journey. We'll take the next question. We'll go to Lauren Lister with KTLA 5 News. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Obviously, now bars are closed, but I'm curious if there are any other areas of the economy, any other sectors that have reopened that you're eyeing for potential closures. Of course, you just cited some concerning trends with restaurant compliance, or if not closures, are you considering amending the health orders with additional safety protocols for any sectors or businesses? Yeah, thanks so much for the question, a great question. You know, the first, I think, order of business right now is for everyone to com come into compliance with the existing directives. The existing directives actually offer us all a lot of protections, but people need to uh, implement them and then we all need to play our part and do what we're being asked to do. Um, you know, I see, and I know you see, you know, troubling videos of people refusing to wear face coverings when they're around other people, uh, you know, refusing to adhere to the rules at a counter when they're trying to order takeout or at a store. And that's just not going to help us uh, get through this. So the first thing is for everyone 
to please do what's already on the books. If we do this right, we will get back on track without having to revisit uh, the closing of any other sectors. Nobody wants to do that. None of us like going back. Um, but it's really going to take all of us at this point, every single one of us, uh, to help us make sure we can stay on this path and, and not have to look back at other sectors. Um, you know, if I'm reporting that we have, uh, you know, still, you know, 30, 35 percent of our restaurants three weeks after opening that are struggling to uh, come into compliance with the directives, that's not a good thing. Um, it's time to come into compliance. It's time to make those extra efforts. And it's time for us to all support the efforts that are needed uh, to help us with the recovery journey. Thank you. We'll go to Rosemary Kim with NBC America. The line is open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Um, so we've seen younger people congregating in these type of social situations. And now that a big factor of that, the bars are closed. Do you expect to see changes in positivity rates, especially among the younger population? And also, if we don't see the changes, how likely is it of a more widespread shutdown? Yeah, thanks for that question. I mean, the positivity rates have already gone up for younger people between the ages of 80, 18 and 40. So we're now at 42% of all of the cases being in that small, smaller age group. And that's been a shift. Um, so we're already seeing that increase. Uh, I'm going to ask everybody who's a young person. I know this is so hard. Uh, I know that people are desperate to be with their friends. You've got to figure out ways to connect with your friends. Uh, that don't create any risk for you and for other people. And that means staying socially distanced, uh, keeping your face covering on, and, and please not being in any situations where you're going to be in a crowd. It's just not safe right now. Um, as hard as it is to do this, it's not safe. And it makes it, uh, as Dr. Galley noted, it makes it take that much longer uh, for us to be able to continue on a recovery journey that we all want to be on. So now we'll take, uh, we have time for one more question. So we, that is from the line. Yeah, no, oh, actually, uh, actually, we've got it here. I'd li now like to take a question from a special in-person guest. Dave Lopez from KCBS KCAL is here in person today, observing physical distancing and safety measures in recognition of his last day reporting on L.A. County. Dave is retiring after covering Los Angeles News for 48 years with 42 years at KCBS 2. We thank you, Dave, for your energy and enthusiasm to cover the news over the, the years and for your true dedication to providing newsworthy stories. So with that, go ahead and ask your question in person. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you again. And, and again, it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful. I don't want to steal the show from anything, but this is the story. Are we at a such a critical stage that this is a make or break week? Uh, can we see beaches? Can we see other businesses slow down? If we still get almost 3,000 positives a day, I mean, how critical is this? And obviously, people are not listening. So, Dr. Furrow, that's a good question for you, and that's a good way to end the news. I think that's the most important question right now. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we can't sustain this rate of increase on positive cases. We just can't. Um, we have to get it back down or we have to level off. Um, you know, you can imagine what happens with 3,000 cases. Uh, we call all of you. 
uh, and you all have been in contact with one or two or three or even four people, um, and that means that every day now we're contacting thousands and thousands of people to tell them that they need to isolate and quarantine. And all of those people have had opportunities uh, before they get our call to infect other people. So this train can be a runaway train if we don't put the brakes on it. But we can put the brakes on it. We've done right before. We just have to get our heads back into this uh, sort of new normal that we're living in so that we can go ahead and continue on our recovery journey. And now we'll turn uh, to remarks in Spanish. Thank you, Dave. Awesome report. Buenas tardes. Para actualizarlos, nos da tristeza informar que 22 personas adicionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 3,326. Para las 3,093 personas que fallecieron donde se identificó la raza de etnicidad, el 43% son latinas, el 27% son blancas, El 17% son asiáticas, el 11% son afroamericanas, menos de un por ciento son nativas de Hawái o de las islas del Pacífico y un por ciento se identifica con otra raza de etnicidad. El 93% de las personas que fallecieron por COVID-19 tenían condiciones delicadas de salud. Este número se ha mantenido constante durante la pandemia. Hoy estamos reportando 2,903 casos nuevos. Los casos reportados hoy elevan el número total de personas que dieron positivo para COVID-19 a más de 100,000, 100,772. Estamos reportando 660 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Actualmente hay 1,710 personas con COVID-19 que están hospitalizadas. El 26% de estas personas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 17% de estas personas están en ventiladores. Hemos investigado un total de 739 entornos de congregación residencial y no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado o de sospecha de ser COVID-19. El número total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 19,059. Y esto incluye a 11,795 residentes y 7,264 empleados. Esto es el 19% de todos los casos. Nos da tristeza informal que 1,754 personas que vivían en entornos institucionales han fallecido por COVID-19. 1,606 de las personas que vivían en entornos uh, institucionales que fallecieron residían en entornos de enfermería especializada. También reportamos 1,099 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. 804 entre personas encarceladas reportadas por el Departamento del Aguacil y 295 empleados. Hay 184 casos en la prisión estatal y 760 casos en las prisiones federales. 
Ahora hay 61 casos en las instalaciones juveniles. Nos da tristeza informar la muerte de una persona encarcelada en la cárcel llamada Men's Central Jail. Esto eleva el número total de las muertes entre las personas que fueron encarceladas a 13. El Departamento del Aguacil informa 444 casos positivos entre el personal, 437 empleados están en cuarentena y 1,907 empleados han regresado al trabajo. El Departamento de Bomberos informa que 1,034 empleados han sido examinados para COVID-19, 73 empleados han dado resultados positivos, 59 están aislados en casa, 37 han regresado al trabajo y 36 uh, están enfermos en casa. Se han reportado más de un millón de resultados de la prueba de COVID-19 uh, al Departamento de Salud Pública y el 9% dieron resultados positivos. El promedio de 7 días de la tasa de positividad um, diaria era, es de 8.4%. Hoy también nos gustaría hablar con ustedes sobre los aumentos alarmantes que estamos observando en los casos de COVID-19. Las tasas de positividad, las hospitalizaciones y, y cómo estos aumentos reflejan las acciones tomadas por los negocios y las personas desde hace tres o cuatro semanas a medida que comenzaron las reaperturas en el condado de Los Ángeles. Ayer, el gobernador Newsom ordenó el cierre de los bares en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y eso sucedió porque estamos viendo una propagación de casos muy altos dentro de la comunidad. Si bien es lamentable dar un paso atrás eh, en nuestro viaje de recuperación, es fundamental que protejamos la salud de nuestros residentes y la capacidad de, nuestros, uh, de nuestro sistema de aten atención médica. Debido a que hay mucho en juego, Um, ya que estamos, eh, estamos viendo aumentos en casos, también podemos ver un aumento en, el, en la cantidad de personas que se enferman gravemente y que hasta puedan fallecer. Así que nuestra acción colectiva por parte de los negocios, igual que de todas las personas, uh, sigue siendo la única manera que podemos frenar COVID-19. Esto significa que todos los negocios deben seguir todos los protocolos uh, de salud pública para el control de infecciones y el distanciamiento físico. Esto también significa que todos los residentes deben practicar el distanciamiento físico y usar una cubierta de tela para la cara eh, cuando esté afuera de su hogar. Ahora veamos los datos que están generando nuestras preocupaciones y, la, y están guiando la toma de nuestros nuestras decisiones. Primero, veamos los datos que demuestran que hay propagación de virus en la comunidad. First slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de siete días de casos nuevos reportados diariamente. Como hemos mencionado, nuestros casos reportados a diario a veces pueden ser diferentes por la falta de informes durante el fin de semana o por una gran cantidad de casos uh, atrasados, eh, los reportes atrasados de un laboratorio. Además, los primeros aumentos fueron, en parte, un reflejo de los aumentos en la capacidad de pruebas. 
Sin embargo, cuando observamos los datos como un promedio reportado de siete días a lo largo del tiempo, uh, da una idea clara del fuerte aumento de nuevos casos en las últimas dos semanas e indica una mayor transmisión en la comunidad. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de siete días del porcentaje diario de pruebas positivas a lo largo del tiempo. Al principio de la pandemia, uh, la capacidad de hacer pruebas era muy limitada, por lo que la prueba estaba reservada para personas que estaban gravemente enfermas o sintomáticas y con mayor riesgo de enfermarse. Por lo tanto, observamos una tasa muy alta de positividad desde el principio. A medida que las pruebas se hicieron más ampliamente disponibles y más personas fueron evaluadas, observamos que las tasas de positividad disminuyeron, alcanzando la tasa diaria más baja de 4.6% de positividad a fines de mayo. En las últimas semanas, a pesar de que la capacidad de hacer pruebas eh, se ha mantenido alta, hemos visto que nuestra tasa de positividad salta a casi 9%. Next slide. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de tres días de hospitalizaciones diarias actuales de COVID-19. En solo dos semanas, hemos visto un aumento del 27% en, los, en las hospitalizaciones diarias de 1,319 el 14 de mayo a 1,669 el 27 de junio. Aunque no hemos alcanzado los niveles de hospitalizaciones diarias que observamos en nuestro punto más alto a fines de, de abril, eh, vemos que rápidamente vamos en ese camino. Los aumentos rápidos en los casos, las tasas de positividad y las hospitalizaciones son motivo de gran preocupación. Las razones por las que estamos viendo estos aumentos eh, pueden explicarse por otros datos que hemos estado recopilando sobre eh, lo, las acciones que toman los negocios y las personas a, la, a lo largo de nuestras reaperturas. Cuando comenzamos nuestro viaje de recuperación y reabrimos negocios y espacios públicos, esperábamos ver aumentos en los casos y las hospitalizaciones. Eh, sin embargo, no esperábamos ver un aumento así de esta magnitud y tan rápido. Sabemos que han habido varios negocios y personas que no han seguido las, los protocolos y han vuelto a vivir como que si COVID-19 no estuviera en nuestra comunidad. Y les decimos a todos los negocios y a las personas eh, en todo el condado, que si usted no es parte de la solución para frenar COVID-19, usted es parte del problema. Next slide. Tenemos datos que demuestran que han habido problemas en el cumplimiento de los protocolos entre los negocios. A medida que los negocios han reabierto, las quejas más comunes que hemos recibido se refieren a los negocios que no publican los protocolos de control de infecciones, no requieren coberturas eh, cubiertas faciales de tela y no cumplen con el distanciamiento físico para empleados y clientes. Nuestros inspectores han ofrecido protocolos a un 65% de los negocios visitados porque hubo algún nivel de incumplimiento y han ofrecido protocolos a un 83% de los restauran restaurantes visitados por incumplimiento. 
y el fin de semana pasado nuestro, nuestros inspectores encontraron que el 49% de los bares y el 33% de los restaurantes no cumplían con los protocolos de distancia física dentro de su negocio. Los inspectores también encontraron que el 54% de los bares y el 44% de los restaurantes tenían trabajadores que no, no usaban cubiertas de tela para la cara y protectores faciales. Sabemos que hay muchos negocios que siguen las reglas y se lo agradecemos. Pero estos datos indican que muchos no siguen las reglas, lo que tendrá consecuencias importantes para la cantidad de casos en nuestra comunidad. Next slide. También tenemos datos que demuestran las acciones de las personas que probablemente contribuyeron a los aumentos. De los datos recopilados por la Universidad del Sur de California sobre los comportamientos que los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles reportan uh, durante la pandemia, vemos que el porcentaje de personas que informan que se quedan en casa, excepto por actividades esenciales, ha disminuido en un 14%. Esta encuesta también muestra que el porcentaje de personas que han tenido contacto cercano en los últimos siete días con una persona con la que no viven ha aumentado un 36%. Y seguimos viendo en los datos general, generados por la aplicación Foursquare Uh, que el 20 de junio, el primer fin de semana que se permitió la reapertura de bares en el condado de Los Ángeles, eh, 500 mil personas visitaron lugares de vida nocturna. Y hemos visto un aumento del 40% de casos entre personas más jóvenes de entre 18 a 40 años en las últimas dos semanas. Todos nosotros, eh, negocios, personas, Uh, y empresas debemos tomar medidas inmediatas si queremos cambiar las cosas. De lo contrario, nos estamos moviendo rápidamente hacia abrumar nuestro sistema de salud y ver enfermedades y muchos más fallecimientos. Estas son las cosas que debemos de hacer de inmediato uh, en este momento tan frágil dentro de la pandemia. Quédese en casa si es una persona mayor o si tiene problemas delicados de salud. Todos los demás deben quedarse lo más que puedan en casa y limitar las actividades fuera de su hogar. Simplemente salgan a lo que es esencial, trabajar, comprar alimentos y medicinas y visitas médicas. Siempre use una cubierta para la cara y mantenga una distancia física cuando, cuando esté fuera de su casa. Lávese las manos con frecuencia y evite... Eh, espacios pequeños donde tiene que eh, estar cerca de los demás. Estar al aire libre es más seguro que estar dentro con personas que no son de su hogar. Evite las multitudes. Cuantas más personas en un espacio, eh, mayor es el riesgo de que alguien se infecte o que infecte a otros. Evite los contactos cercanos y permanezca más separado. Eh, estar más separado es más seguro que estar más cerca de los demás. Este es un buen momento para volver a los hábitos en la cual todos nos mantuvimos conectados durante los primeros días de la pandemia. Llamadas, textos, FaceTime, Zoom, utilizar toda la tecnología que nos permite estar conectados desde lejos. 
nuestras acciones para frenar la propagación eh, no pueden esperar. Tenemos que hacer estas cosas importantes ahora. No podemos enfatizar más eh, lo que está en juego en este momento. No queremos experimentar un sistema de salud abrumado que no tiene la capacidad de cuidar a todos los que lo necesitan. No queremos experimentar aún más la tragedia de ver más amigos y familiares a fallecer por, por causas relacionadas con COVID-19. Podemos hacer esto. Lo hicimos antes. Por favor, no olvidemos todo lo que trabajamos eh, tan fuertemente y todo lo que sacrificamos. Debemos, debemos continuar trabajando juntos para cambiar esto. Okay. And now we'll move on to questions. questions. Okay, now we'll move on to Spanish remarks. Now we'll move on to Spanish remarks. Gracias, Jackie, y buenas tardes. Um, bueno, como ha oído con Jackie, eh, las cosas han cambiado uh, en el condado de Los Ángeles uh, con respecto al COVID-19. Hoy estamos viendo un aumento en la transmisión del virus y más personas enfermándose. Esto es algo serio uh, que los preocupa porque señala que ha habido un cambio uh, en la trayectoria de la epidemia. Más que nunca, todos tenemos que tomar responsabilidad en la lucha contra el virus. Y tenemos que no ignorar la guía sobre el uso de mascarillas. Tenemos que eh, de tener distanciamiento físico cuando sea posible. Y tener discreción en la forma que socializamos, incluso con nuestra familia. Cuantas más personas ignoren estas guías, más difícil va a ser controlar el virus en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y más tiempo va a pasar antes de que podremos volver a una rutina normal. Donde las escuelas estén abiertas, los mercados y restaurantes estén abiertos sin restricciones. Y donde podrá socializar con nuestras familias y amistades sin temor de infectar a nuestros queridos o a gente vulnerable. Hoy tenemos dos áreas de discusión. Primero, tenemos las actualizaciones más recientes del modelado de camas y epidemia del Departamento de Salud. El modelado ilustra lo que estamos viendo ahora con respecto a la transmisión del virus en el condado. Y segundo, también vamos a compartir información sobre lo que el Departamento de Salud está haciendo para asegurar que podemos satisfacer la demanda uh, de hospitalización. Al fin de esta presentación, el mensaje más importante que debe tomar es esto. La transmisión ha aumentado en nuestras comunidades y ha resultado en un aumento considerable en hospitalizaciones. Tenemos que estar atentos y seguir las recomendaciones para frenar o rebajar la transmisión. Esto ayuda a evitar la pérdida de vida innecesaria. Pero eso cada persona necesita hacer su parte y no es difícil. Use mascarillas, practique distancia física, no salga en grupos grandes o en reuniones si no es necesario. El modelo. Eh, nuestros objetivos usando este modelo eh, que presentamos por primera vez en abril eh, incluyen dos cosas. And if you could key up the power, uh, PowerPoint, please. Uh, 
um, hacer las mejores predicciones posibles sobre la propagación de COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Y segundo, evaluar la eficacia de las medidas de distanciamiento físico. Inicialmente, pudimos aplanar la curva, lo que ayudó a reducir el volumen máximo de casos. Pudimos reducir la velocidad de transmisión por un tiempo. Y nuestro sistema de salud no se vio abrumado con los pacientes y tuvo tiempo para prepararse para un aumento en el futuro. En esas primeras semanas, después de que el condado comenzó la reapertura, vimos que la transmisión y, por lo tanto, nuevos casos y nuevas hospitalizaciones se mantuvieron estable. Pero en la última semana las, las cosas han cambiado. Ahora estamos viendo una transmisión significante de COVID-19, una escalada de nuevos casos y también una escalada de nuevas hospitalizaciones relacionadas con el COVID. Las curvas ya no son planas. En cambio, todos tienen una trayectoria ascendente. La semana pasada estimamos que uno de cada 400 personas en el condado estaban infectadas, no aislada y capaz de transmitir COVID-19. Hoy estimamos que el número es uno de cada 140 personas. Este es un aumento de más de tres veces. Lo que esto significa es que las personas en Los Ángeles tienen una probabilidad alta de encontrarse con otra persona que está infectada. Muchas de estas personas no, no tienen síntomas en absoluto, no hay manera de decir si están infecciosos o no. Y por esta razón es importante que siempre use su mascarilla y que limite sus interacciones que no sean necesarias. To, uh, great. Um, ahora quiero hablar de las proyecciones um, para nuevos de, de casos nuevos um, que requieren hospitalización. Pero antes de pasar a esas proyecciones esta semana, quiero recordarles uh, que la semana pasada la, la muestra de proyecciones enseña que uh, um, los números estaban disminuyendo y siguieron estable después de la implementación de la orden más seguro en casa. La semana pasada, el modelo proyectó que si no hubiera ningún cambio en la transmisión, este curso continuaría hasta el verano. Uh, next slide, please. Ahora uh, vamos a ver lo que sucedió en nuestros hospitales la semana pasada. Y cómo eso ha transformado uh, lo que el modelo nos dice sobre el futuro. Claramente, esta semana, el gráfico es drásticamente diferente. En, eh, hemos visto un aumento constante en el número de nuevas hospitalizaciones diarias de pacientes con COVID-19. Este fuerte aumento de los ingresos diarios a hospitales para pacientes con COVID-19 refleja un aumento de la transmisión hace dos o cuatro semanas en el pasado. Y este retraso existe porque una vez expuesto, el virus se incube, se incuba durante unos días. Luego te enfermas y después de tal de siete a diez días de estar enfermo en casa, la enfermedad continúa progresando hasta el punto de que necesitas hospitalización. 
Es por eso que estamos viendo el impacto de la transmisión de hace semanas. Es probable que este aumento de la tasa de transmisión haya continuado y si así es, tengamos varias semanas de un fuerte aumento del volumen en los hospitales por delante, incluso si se toman medidas de inmediato para reducir la propagación. Next slide, please. Hoy vamos a hablar, ahora hablemos del de, se llama la R efectiva. Um, y, y voy a explicar un poco qué es. Eh, tenemos que recordar que lo que está sucediendo en nuestros hospitales uh, refleja lo que está, eh, no solo refleja lo que está sucediendo hoy, sino que también incluye lo que sucedió en las últimas semanas en nuestras comunidades. La R significa el número de personas nuevas que pueden ser infectadas por una persona infectada. Si la R es mayor que uno, entonces el número de casos aumentará con el tiempo. Si es menor de uno, entonces el número disminuirá con el tiempo. Este gráfico muestra que R parecía ser un poco menos de uno hasta principios de mayo. Luego permaneció muy cerca de uno durante todo el mes de mayo. Ahora, a principios de junio, la tasa de transmisión se, curva, se está curvando debido al hecho de que el número de casos que requieren hospitalización ha aumentado significativamente. Actualmente, nuestra estimación para la R efectiva es 1.26. Con esta R, ahora mayor que 1, como dije anterior, esperamos que el número de casos aumente rápidamente. Para calcular el R, usamos los datos reales de gente que ha sido admitidos al hospital. Así no se afecta por el número de pruebas que, han, que ahora hay más en la comunidad, sino se cuenta la gente que está bastante seria y están admitidos al hospital. Um, next slide, please. Ahora hablemos um, de, um, de las camas uh, de hospital. Como puede ver, la línea horizontal roja eh, es la capacidad de las camas de hospital a finales de la semana pasada. Los Ángeles tenía aproximadamente 3,000 camas de hospital. Estamos ahorita satisfaciendo la demanda en este momento para camas de hospital, pero si los aumentos previstos de nuevos casos requiriendo eh, admisión al hospital se realizan, el número de camas de hospital puede llegar a ser inadecuado en las próximas semanas. Los hospitales tendrán que implementar sus planes de preparación para desastres para soportar el aumento. Uh, next slide, please. Pero no todas las camas en hospital son igual. Esta diapositiva eh, son las camas no todas las camas son igual. La capacidad de la cama de cuidado intensivo um, es una historia completamente diferente a comparación a las camas regulares en los hospitales. Las camas de cuidado intensivo son nuestro recurso más limitado. Y en un futuro muy próximo, incluso con el uso más limitado de cuidados intensivos para pacientes con COVID-19, 
es probable que llenemos nuestras camas de cuidado intensivo actualmente disponibles. En términos de ventiladores, eh, en nuestro sistema hospitalario, proyectamos que tengamos un suministro adecuado de, de, de las máquinas y durante las próximas cuatro semanas estaremos bien. Uh, next slide, please. To the mortality. Thank you. Esta diapositiva um, es um, de la mortalidad. Uh, aunque hemos visto uh, recientemente disminución del número de muertes reportadas um, causadas por COVID-19, eh, nuestro modelo sugiere ahora que es probable que veamos un aumento de la mortalidad en las próximas semanas. Y por eso um, es importante que la comunidad siga nuestras recomendaciones. Um, this will be the end of the slideshow, please. Ahora quiero hablar um, de los esfuerzos que estamos tomando en el Departamento de Salud de Los Ángeles eh, eh, para prepararnos. Por lo tanto, um, viendo la información que hemos presentado, es, es, um, señala que vamos a estar aumentando uh, eh, las admisiones a los hospitales así públicos como privados, son todos los hospitales en Los Ángeles. Y estos hospitales tendrán que estar preparados para tratar a pacientes adicionales a medida que estén aumentando las admisiones. Y es importante que usted sepa uh, por qué es importante. La mejor, el mejor lugar para tratar a los pacientes que necesitan atención hospitalaria es en un hospital. Esto eso es... Por esa razón fueron diseñados los hospitales. Los centros de atención alternativa presentan una serie de desafíos en el tratamiento de pacientes que requieren un nivel agudo de servicios. Los hospitales están listos uh, y pueden aumentar su capacidad de dos maneras principales. Y es importante que la comunidad se sienta seguro en que sí se están preparando. Número uno. Hospitales pueden crear la capacidad de cuidar a los pacientes dentro de sus camas regulares, reduciendo los ingresos selectivos y tomando medidas para dar de alta rápidamente a los pacientes que ya no requieren atención en el hospital. Estos pasos pueden liberar más o menos unos 40% de las camas, dependiendo del hospital. Esto se traduce a unas 20 a 30 camas. Y segundo, los hospitales tienen la capacidad de añadir típicamente un 20% más de camas por encima de su capacidad normal y pueden tomar medidas para abrir esa capacidad de la cama más allá de esto en caso de que surja la necesidad. Esto incluye la capacidad de flexionar entre los tipos de cama y abrir camas de cuidado intensivo en entornos que no son tradicionales. Específicamente en los hospitales eh, operados por eh, el Departamento de Salud del Condado de Los Ángeles, estamos siguiendo y analizando varios datos eh, importantes de nuestros hospitales para estar listos. Y también estamos entrenando a personal crítico como enfermeros y otro tipo de personal. Si hay una segunda cosa eh, que usted debe de tomar de nuestra presentación es esto después de ver toda esta información. 
En última instancia, nuestro sistema de hospitales en el condado de Los Ángeles está preparado, pero los recursos y el personal que trabaja dentro de ellos son preciosos. Queremos evitar la necesidad de aumentar a todo, a todo gasto. ¿Y cómo lo hacemos? ¿Cómo hacemos eso? Fácil, use sus máscaras y siga nuestras recomendaciones. Las medidas de protección personal siguen siendo de importancia. Si puedes quedarte en casa, por favor, hazlo. Minimice las interacciones con otros. Use mascarillas en todo momento, aunque esté fuera de su casa. Lávese las manos con frecuencia. Permanece en casa cuando esté enfermo, si está en alto riesgo de resultados graves de infección. Para concluir, quiero decir esto. La reapertura puede dar una falsa sensación de seguridad. Y no estamos uh, reabriendo porque el virus se ha ido. No, en cambio sabemos que la orden más segura en el hogar no es sostenible y que las personas necesitan trabajar, apoyar a sus familias, participar en actividades que apoyen la salud mental y mucho más. Pero la realidad es que todas esas cosas interactuaremos con personas. Haciendo todo eso, vamos a estar relacionando con otras personas que son infecciosas, pero no parecen enfermas. Es por eso que debemos, debemos usar máscaras y lávese las manos y limpie los superficies comunes que en casa cuando esté enfermo. Una tercera y última toma de hoy. Todos queremos volver a la normalidad, pero no estamos ni cerca de eso. Y si la gente para dar de creer o seguir las pautas, para de creer o seguir las pautas recomendadas por el Departamento de Salud Pública. Los datos de hoy nos muestran que la situación se pondrá más grave. Recuerda, uno de cada 140 personas en Los Ángeles son infecciosas. La semana pasada fue uno en 400. La propagación está aumentando y en el curso de su vida diaria es muy probable que usted expuesto a alguien que está infectado. ¿Cómo te proteges? Una vez más, la clave que te protegerá es usar una máscara. Todos hemos visto a muchas personas afuera alrededor de otras personas sin máscaras. Esta actividad descuidada nos pone a todos en riesgo, pero especialmente a aquellos que no tienen el privilegio de poder teletrabajar desde los hogares y no tienen otra opción que salir para mantener una renta básica. Tenemos que apoyar a las empresas locales, pero muchas empresas no están siguiendo las pautas de salud pública como la doctora Ferrer y la doctora Gali han explicado. Por eso depende de ti. Tenemos que evitar un mayor aumento y limitar la propagación. Así que, de nuevo, le pedimos a la comunidad que haga exactamente lo mismo que hace cuando usa el auto. Usted minimiza el riesgo de tener un accidente terrible. ¿Cómo? Usando el cinturón de seguridad. Sigue las uh, señales y las reglas del tráfico. Es vigilante cuando está en un auto. Haga lo mismo con COVID. Use máscara. Tenga distancia física y límite salir si no es necesario. Necesitamos que esté atento y practique el riesgo de minimizar los procedimientos para protegerse, no solo a sí mismo, sino también a sus vecinos, a sus queridos y a sus familiares. Uh, now we're ready for any questions, please. We'll take questions on the phone. And ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question on the phone, 
press star then one on your phone keypad. Again, for questions on the phone, you would press star then one. We'll go to Luis Traco with Telemundo. The line is open. Sí, mi pregunta tiene que ver referente a los negocios que no están cumpliendo con los protocolos de sanidad. ¿Qué sanciones podrían enfrentar los dueños de estos negocios y cuál es la recomendación para el público que acude a estos negocios? Jackie va a contestar. Gracias. Muchas gracias por esas preguntas. Eh, como mencionamos uh, anteriormente, es tan importante que los negocios sigan todas las, todos los protocolos, pues, todo que tiene que ver con la distan el distanciamiento físico, eh, utilizar las cubiertas de tela de cara. Es importante no solo para los empleados, pero también para los clientes. Así que es, es importante... Eh, saber cuáles son esos, esos protocolos y asegurarse de que se estén utilizando. Así que es importante que los clientes, igual que los empleados y las empresas, trabajemos todos trabajemos juntos para eh, asegurarnos de, de que estemos tomando estas medidas. And so now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Ներկա իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ տեղեկությունները հետևյալն են։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 22 մահվան մասին, այս մարդկանցից 18-ը 65 տարեկանից բարձր են, որոնցից 17-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 4 անձի տարիքը 41-65-ն է եւ 1-ը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 3326-ի Los Angeles շրջանում։ Ethnic Patkanelutuna Hetevialne. Karasunjerek tokos Latino Latinx, Xanyot tokos Spitak, Tasnayot tokos Asiakan, Tasnamek tokos Afroamerikati, Mek tokos Benik Havayan, Mek tokos Al Rasa Ethnic Homb. Covid Tasninov Mahatsat Anzans, Inesunjerek tokos Unain Uraktor Arochakan Hantisner, Incha. Կարևորում է այն անձանց, ովքեր առողջության լուրջ խնդիրներ ունեն, մնալ տանը եւ խոսափել սերտ կապերից։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 2903 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա բերում է Los Angeles շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուր թիվը 100772-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 3643 դեպքեր։ Իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 1276 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 600 հաստատված դեպք անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց շրջանում։ Ապաստան գտած 250 անձինք պատշաճկերպով մեկուսացված են, իսկ սերտ կապերը կարանտինացված են։ Անոթևան ապրող մարդկանց մեծ մասը, ովքեր դրական են COVID-19-ի համար, եղել են միության փրկարար առաքելության հյուրերը։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 1710 մարդ, որոնցից 26-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում, իսկ 17 տոկոսը միացված են շնչարական օդափոխիչների։ Քննություններ են կատարվում 739 ինստիտուցիոնալ բնակչության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, օժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ եւ քրեա կատարողական հիմնարկներ։ 
Institutional Michavarum Hasatvats and Hanur Depkere, Tasne Inna Hazar, Hitsun Innen, Nerayal and Nakazma Yevbnaikichnere. Ais Depkerits Tasne Mekhazar, Yothar Inna Sunhing Benaikichnernen, Yev Yothazar Yerkar Vatsun Chorsash Hatakaz. Savovenkaitnum, Vor Hazar Yothar Hitsun Chors Mart, of Ker Aprumen Institutional Paimanerum, Mahatselen Covid Tasne Nets. Institutional Michavarum Benakvok Mahatsasneri, Hazar Vetsar Vetsa, Benakvumain, Hamut Pushkurakan Hasatutunerum. Menk Savumenkais Koros de Hamar. Zekutsumenk Hastatvats, Hazar Inasun Inna Devker, Arsana Gervelen, Keria Katarogakan Himnarknerum. Uthar Chors Data Parzal, Yev Yerkuhar Inasun Hingash Hatakas. Harur Utsun Chors Devk, Nahangaim Banterum. Harur Xanud Bantarkal, Yev Hitsumvets Ashatakaz. Yothar Vatsun Depk, Federal Banterum. Yothar Karasun Chors Bantarkal, Yev Tasnavets Ashatakaz. Vatsun Meg Depk, Anchapas Neri Hastatunerum. Meg Teradrumeng Hastatvats Depkeri, Yev Mahvan Tiva Merkaikum, Ashatornerin, Benaikich Nerin, Yev Antanik Nerin, Terekats Nelutseto. Yev Shurjanain, Artsana Gervats Bolur nor Depkeri Zekuitsa, Karohek Desnel, Aroch Chapautan Varchitan Kaikum, Public Health. LACounty.gov. Sheriffi Yev Hershech Varchituneri Ashatakis Neri Tavialner Hetevialnen, Chorsar Karasun Chors Depk, Anznakazmi Mech, Chorsar Yerasun Yota Karantini Mechen, Hazar Inar Yota Veradarcelen Ashatanki. Los Angeles Surgeon's Hershey Varchitsuna Haitnume, Yotanasun Yerek Depk, Anznakazmi Mech, Hitsun Inna Mekusats Vazen, Yerasun Vetse Hivan Dentana, Yerasun Yota Veradarcelen Ashatanki. Avelikan Mek Million Mart Pestavor Velen, Yev Archunkner Zekusvelen, Los Angeles Surgeon, Boronsitz Inna Tokos Drakanen. Yesuzumem Kajalerelzes, Testavorvel, Yeteunek Achtanishner, Tarashurjanain, Testavorman Vairerum, Jamadruchan Hamar Karohek Aitzelel, Covid nineteen dot LAKANI.GAV slash testing. Tagnapa Mezanume. I saw Yeskatankanai Hosel Zeset, I stagnapain Taveri Ajimasin, Voronk Menk Testumen, Covid Tasnini Dragan Testeri, Yev Hospitalatsman, Debkeri Vera Berial. Եվ թե ինչպես այդ աճը արտացոլում 3-4 շաբաթ առաջ Los Angeles կոմսումցունում սկսված բիզնեսների վերաբացումից հետո։ Երեք նահանգապետ նյուսումը հրամայեց փակել Los Angeles կոմսումցունում գտնվող բառերը եւ դա տեղի ունեցավ այն պատճառով, որ մենք համայնքային տարածում ենք տեսնում։ Չնայած հիաստապացնող է քայլը, յետ վերադառնալ մեր վերականգնման ճանապարից, but shot caravore vormenk pashpanenk mer benaikichneri arochutsuna, yev pashpanenk karochutsuner mer arochapakan hamakarkum. Kanivor mets vatanka, kanivor aisharnakakan, achekahangetsni, avilishat martkans luchivandutsan, yev mahvan covit tasninits, yev businessneri, yev anhatneri mer havakakan gorsneutsuna, miak michotsne, vormenk karoheng dandaretsnel ais acha. San shanakume. Vor bolor businessnere petke heteven hanrain arochapautan bolor herangnerin fizikakan heravorutan yev varaki vraskman hamar. San ayv nishanakume vor bolor benakishnere petke fizikakan heravorutunenan 
և իրենց տանից դուրս գտնվելու ժամանակ հակնեն կտորե դիմակ։ Հիմա եկեք դիտենք այն տվյալները, որոնք հանգեցնում են մեր մտահոգությունների եւ որոշումների կայացմանը։ Մեր տեսուչները տրամադրել են արցունագրություններ, այցելված մանրածաղ ձեռնարկությունների 65%-ը, քանի որ առկա է անհամապատասխանությունը և այցելած ռեստորանների 83%-ը չեն համապատասխանել առողջապահության նախարարի հրամանին։ Եվ այս անցած հանգստյան օրերին մեր տեսուչները գտել են բարերի 49%-ը, ռեստորանների 33%-ը, որոնք չեն պահպանում ֆիզիկական հեռավորություն եւ արձանագրությունների պահանջը չեն կատարում։ Տեսուչները գտել են նաեւ բարերի 54%-ը, իսկ ռեստորանների 44%-ը ունեն աշխատողներ, որոնք դեմքի դիմակներ եւ դեմքի վահան չեն կրում։ Մենք գիտենք, որ շատ ձեռնարկություններ հետևում են կանոններին եւ մենք շնորհակալություն ենք հայտնում դրա համար, բայց այս տվյալները ցույց են տալիս, որ շատերը չեն հետևում։ Այն կանոններին, որոնք էական հետևանքներ կունենան մեր համայնքում տեղի ունեցող դեպքերի քանակի վրա։ Եվ մենք Foursquare հավելվածի ստեղծված տվյալներից իմացանք, որ հունիսի 29-ին, 20-ից առաջին շափատվավերջին Los Angeles կոմսությունում բառերի վերաբացումից հետո 500000 մարդ այցելել է գիշերային կյանքի վայրեր։ Եվ մենք նկատել ենք դեպքերի 40%-ի աճ երիտասարդների 18-ից 40 տարեկանների շրջանում երկու շափատվա ընթացքում։ Անհրաժեշտ է անապահ գործողություններ բոլորս գործարարները եւ անհատները պետք է անհապաղ միջոցներ ձեռնարկենք եթե ուզում ենք իրավիճակը շրջել հակառակ դեպքում մենք արագ շրջվում ենք դեպի մեր առողջապահական համակարգը ճնշելու եւ ստեղծելու ավելի ավելի հիվանդություն եւ մահ ահա այն բաները որ մենք պետք է անենք ամիջապես այս շատ լարված պահին համաճարակի մեջ մնացեք տանը եթե տարեց կամ ունեք լուրջ առողջական պայմաններ բոլորը պետք է հնարավորինը ստանը մնան եւ ձեր տնից դուրս գործողությունների սահմանափակեն եւ ըստ անհրաժեշտության աշխատանքի մթերային ապրանքների եւ դեղամիջոցներ ձեռք բերելու եւ բժշկական այցեր կատարելու միշտ կրեք դեմքի ծածկոց եւ ֆիզիկական հեռավորություն պահպանեք երբ ձեր տանից դուրս եք ձեռքերը հաճախ լվացեք դրսում լինելը ավելի անվտանգ է, քան ներսում գտնվող մարդկանց հետ, որոնք ձեր ձեր ընտանիքի անդամներ չեն։ Խուսափեք ամբողջներից, որքան շատ մարդիկ լինեն տարածքում, այնքան ավելի մեծ է ռիսկը, որ ինչ որ մեկը վարակվի եւ ուրիշներին վարակի։ Եվ խուսափեք սերտ շփումներից, միմյանցից հերում մնալը ավելի անվտանգ է, քան միասին լինելը։ Սալավ ժամանակ է վերադառնալու այն ճանապարներին, որ մենք բոլորս եղել ենք։ Կապվել ենք համաճարակի առաջին օրերին, զանգահարել, տեքստարել, FaceTime անել, Zoom օգտագործել եւ այն բոլոր տեխնոլոգիաները, որոնք մեզ թույլ են տալիս հերվից հաղորդակցվել։ Տարածումը դանդաղացնելու մեր գործողությունները չեն կարող սпасել։ Մենք պետք է կատարենք այս գործողությունները այժմ եւ ներկա պահին։ Մենք չենք ցանկանում զգալ գերլարված առողջական համակարգ, որը չի կարողանա հոգտանել յուրաքանչյուրին, ով դրա կարիքը կունենա։ 
Մենք չենք ցանկանում ավելի շատ զգալ այն ողբերկությունը, երբ տեսնում ենք, որ ընկերների ու տանիքների անդամները մահանում են COVID-19-ից։ Մենք կարող ենք դա անել, մենք դա արել ենք, խնդրում ենք չթողնել այն ամենը, ինչի համար մենք շատ աշխատել ենք եւ զոհաբերել։ Մենք դանդաղեցրեցինք տարածումը եւ մենք պետք է շարունակենք աշխատել մի միանց հետ շրջադարձ կատարելու համար։ Շնորհակալություն։ Now the remarks in Korean. Thank you. 안녕하십니까? Los Angeles County 보건 당국이 발표한 프레스 브리핑을 말씀드리겠습니다. 유관스럽게도 코로나 바이러스로 인해 추가로 22명의 사망자가 보고되었음을 알리게 되었습니다. 이중 18명은 65세 이상이고 그중 17명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 이중 4명은 41에서 65세 사이이고 이중 1명은 이미 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 오늘 발생한 새로운 사망자 22명 중에 7명은 전문 간호시설에서 살고 있었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 3,326명입니다. 코로나 바이러스로 사망한 분들 중에 93%는 이미 질환을 가지고 있었으며 이 수치는 계속 이어지고 있습니다. 오늘로써 2,903건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 보고되었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서 총 확진 케이스 수는 10만 772건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 3,643건, 파사디나시에서 1,276건이 있었고 이두 시는 각 보건구가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 노숙자들 중에 확진 케이스 수는 660건입니다. 이들 중 250명은 보호소에서 고립되어 있으며 밀접 접촉자는 격리되었습니다. 현재 1,710명이 양성 확진자로 병원에 입원해 있으며 이중 26%는 중환자실에 17%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 739개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 이중 574개는 현재 조사 중이고 165개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 이 시설들에는 양로원 전문 간호시설, 보호소, 치료소, 서포트 리빙, 교도소, 직장, 음식점, 상점, 교육기관 등을 포함합니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스는 19,059건이고 이중 1,795명은 거주자이며 7,264명은 일하는 사람들이었습니다. 이 수치는 모든 케이스의 19%입니다. 시설에 살고 있는 사람들 중에 사망자 수는 1,754명이며 이중 1,606명은 간호시설에 살고 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 교도시설에서의 총 1,099건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 이중 804명은 수감자이며 295명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 주교 정부 교도소에서는 184건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 연방교도소에서는 760건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 소년원에서는 61건의 확진 케이스가 있었으며 이중 27명은 수감자이며 34명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 유감스럽게도 남자 센트럴 제일 수감자 1명이 사망하였음을 알려드립니다. 이로써 교도소 수감자 중에 사망자 수는 총 13명입니다. 보안관국에서는 444명의 직원이 테스트를 받았고 437명은 격리 중이며 1,907명은 복귀하였습니다. 소방국에서는 1,034명이 테스트를 받았으며 이중 73건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 59명은 회복하였으며 37명은 다시 일하고 있고 36명은 집에서 회복 중입니다. 
지금까지 LA 보건부로 100만 명 이상의 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었으며 이중 9%가 양성 결과였습니다. 7일 평균 1일 양성 확진률은 8.4%였습니다. 인종과 민족성이 알려진 3,093명의 사망자 중에 43%는 라틴계, 27%는 백인, 17%는 동양인, 11%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양 섬 주민이었으며 기타 인종은 1%였습니다. LA 카운티 전역에서 영업을 재개함으로써 3, 4주 전에 사업체와 개인들의 한 행동들이 어떻게 코로나 케이스 수치와 양성 확진률, 병원 입원자 수의 수치를 올렸는지 그에 관한 심각한 증가율에 대해서 이야기 드리고 싶습니다. 어제 뉴썸 거버너는 LA 카운티에 있는 모든 바를 폐쇄하도록 명령하였습니다. 왜냐하면 지역사회의 확진률이 너무 많아졌기 때문입니다. 회복 단계에서 한 단계 뒤로 물러나는 것은 주민과 의료 서비스 시스템을 보호하기 위해서입니다. 계속되는 이 증가율은 더 많은 사람들이 심각한 증병에 걸리고 사망할 수 있기 때문에 사업체와 개개인 모두의 행동들이, 행동만이 이 증가를 늦출 수 있는 방법입니다. 이 말은 모든 사업체들은 거리 두기와 감염 관리를 위한 공중보건 지침을 꼭 따라야만 한다는 것입니다. 또한 이 말은 모든 주민들이 거리 두기와 집 밖에 있을 때 천안면 가리, 가리개를 써야 한다는 뜻입니다. 더 많은 사업체와 공공장소가 영업을 재개하면서 케이스와 병원 입원자 수가 증가할 것을 예상했지만 이렇게 빨리 급격히 증가할 것을 예상하지 못했습니다. 우리는 몇 사업체들과 개인들이 지침을 따르지 않고 마치 우리 커뮤니티에는 코로나19가 없는 것처럼 예전의 삶의 방식으로 돌아갔음을 보게 되었습니다. 사업체들이 영업을 재개하면서 제일 흔히 들어오는 고발은 감염관리 프로토콜을 제시하지 않거나 안면 가리개를 필수적으로 사용하지 않고 직원과 손님 사이에 물리적 거리 두기를 하도록 집행하지 않았다는 것입니다. 감시관들은 65%의 소매업체들과 83%의 식당들이 프로토콜대로 따르지 않았다는 것을 알게 되었습니다. 지난 주말에 감시관들은 49%의 마을과 33%의 식당에서 실내에서의 물리적 거리 두기 프로토콜을 따르지 않은 것을 확인하였습니다. 또한 감시관들은 54%의 바알과 44%의 식당들에서 직원들이 안면 가리개를 착용하지 않은 것을 알게 되었고 또한 안면 보호대도 착용하지 않았음을 보게 되었습니다. 많은 사업체들에서 법에 따르는 것에 감사드립니다. 그렇지만 데이터를 볼때 많은 사람들이 법을 따르지 않고 있고 우리 커뮤니티에서 확진 케이스에 영향을 미치고 있음을 알게 됩니다. USC에서 수집한 데이터에 따르면 필수 활동 외에 집에 머무르는 사람들의 수가 14% 감소하였습니다. 이 조사에 따르면 지난 7일간 가족이 아닌 사람과 밀접히 접촉한 사람의 수도 36% 증가하였습니다. LA 카운티에서 바가 영업을 재개한 후첫 주말에 50만 명의 사람들이 바와 같은 반문화 공간을 방문하였음을 알게 되었습니다. 또한 지난 2주간 18에서 40세 사이의 젊은 층에서 케이스 증가율이 40%가 있었습니다. 
사업체와 개개인 모두들은 즉각적인 행동을 취해야 합니다. 그렇지 않으면 곧이 충격적인 질병과 죽음을 보게 될 것이며 의료 서비스 시스템이 포화 상태에 이르게 될 것입니다. 유행병들 가운데 우리가 해야 할 일들은 이러합니다. 노인이거나 심각한 기저질환이 있다면 집에 머무르십시오. 또한 다른 모든 사람들은 가능한 집에 있고 필수적인 활동이 아니라면 집 밖에서의 활동을 줄여야 합니다. 필수적인 활동에는 직장에 가거나 식료품이나 약을 구하거나 의사의 진료를 받는 것을 의미합니다. 집 밖에 있을 때에는 언제나 안면 가리개를 쓰고 물리적 거리두기를 지키십시오. 손을 자주 씻으십시오. 또한 이세 가지를 멀리해야 하는데 첫째, 갇혀있는 공간, 특히 밖에 있는 것이 가족이 아닌 사람들과 실내에 있는 것보다는 안전합니다. 둘째, 군중을 멀리하십시오. 한 공간이나 지역에 더 많은 사람이 있을수록 감염되거나 다른 사람을 감염시킬 위험이 더 높아집니다. 셋째, 밀접한 접촉을 피하십시오. 가까이 있는 것보다는 멀리 떨어져 있는 것이 안전합니다. 유행병 초기에 우리가 서로 연락을 하기 위해서 사용했던 전화나 텍스트, 페이스타임, 줌과 같은 전자기기를 사용하여 서로 연락하십시오. 우리가 감염 확산을 늦추기 위해서는 지금 행동을 취해야 합니다. 우리는 필요한 모든 사람에게 의료서비스를 제공할 수 없는 포화상태가 되는 경험을 하고 싶지 않습니다. 그러므로 코로나19로 인해 더 많은 친구들과 가족들이 죽어나가는 비극을 보고 싶지 않습니다. 우리는 이미 해왔던 것처럼 우리가 희생하고 열심히 노력한 이 모든 것들을 수포로 돌아가지 않도록 확산을 늦추고 또 지금 그 상황을 돌리기 위해서 함께 일해야 할 것입니다. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chang from Environmental Health will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. 各位校友们好，感谢督查委员帮解女士和全体督查委员给我们带来致力于减缓新冠病毒的传播，保护诺贤居民。请允许我为大家更新目前的疫情，疫情很不幸，我们又有二十二人因新冠病毒去世，其中
追溯着，让我们非常不安。在十万零七百七十二二人中，有三千六百四十三例是属于长滩市，一千二百七十六例是属于帕萨迪纳市，两个城市都有自己的独立的市卫生局。在确诊的病例中，有660例是属于无家可归的人，其中有250例已经隔离。住院人数，我们现在有 1,710 例阳性病例因病住院，其中 26% 的病人住在加护病房。有百分之十七的病人使用呼吸机。我们对七百三十九个大型住宅和非住宅机构进行了调查，这些机构均有至少一个已知新冠病毒患者，其中五百七十四个人在调查中，一百六十五个已接触调查。这些机构包括疗养院、抚州居住所、避难所、治疗中心。院住住居住中心、管教所、工作场所、餐馆、餐饮或零售地及教育中心。所有机构确诊病例的总数为十一万九千零五十九人，其中居民占一万一千七百五九十五人，员工占七千二百六十四人。机构确诊病例占总机构确诊病例的百分之十九。我们很沉痛，因新冠病毒去世中有一千七百五十四人来自机构住所，其共其中一千六百零六人则是来自熟练护理机构。监禁场所，监狱中有一千零九十九例新冠病毒患，其中八百零四人为囚犯。两百九十五人为管教人员，周间一有一百八十四例，其中一百二十八人为囚犯，五十六人为管教人员。联邦监狱有七百六十人，其中七百四四十四人为囚犯，十六人为管教人员。少年管教所有六十一人，其中二十七人为囚犯，三十四人为管教所。很不幸。男性中心监狱中又有一名新冠病例去世。到目前为止，该监狱总共有十三人去世。我们再次祝福那些因新冠病毒失去挚爱的家人朋友，希望你们节哀顺变。在我们洛杉矶县公共卫生网页里，我们有康复专栏，更新这些机构的相关资料，如确诊人数、疑似病例。测试及死亡人数，洛杉矶县警局或消防局的员工资料。洛杉矶县警局有四百四十四人呈阳性，四百三十七人正在被检疫，一千零九十七人已返回工作岗位。洛杉矶消防局有一千零三十四人做了新冠病毒测试。其中七十三人呈阳性，五十九人在家隔离，三十七人已返回工作岗位，三十六人因其他病在家。感谢县警长维拉罗瓦或消防局主管欧斯比。到目前为止，洛杉矶公共卫生局总共收集了一百多万的新冠病例检测结果
，其中百分之九十的百分之九的检测样本呈阳性，而其七天的移动平均比率为百分之八点零四，这说明过去这一个礼拜呈阳性的检测有所上升。那我们再谈一谈，在过去两个礼拜有病例的急速增加。今天我想和大家说明说明。急速增加的病例、住院人数以及这些急速增加的病例与过去三至四个星期中业主和美国公民所做的相事情的相关性，及洛杉矶县经济重启的相关性。昨天，州长刘萨姆下令关闭洛杉矶县内的酒吧，因为由于酒吧的开启带来了大量的社区传播。尽管这样使我们重启退回了一步，但。这一不足对我保护我们居民的健康、保护医疗系统的正常运行十分必要。因为我们面临的损失巨大，会有更多的因开启、重新开启而生病，所以业主和各个公民、公民与我们一起努力非常尤其重要。这意味着所有企业都应遵循洛杉矶公共卫生局的重启规定，关于社交距离和疾病的控制的规定。这意味着每个公民外出时都应该遵循社交距离和佩戴面罩的规定。我们必须立刻采取行动，不论是企业还是个人，都应当立即采取行动来扭转目前的局势。不然，按目前的状况发展下去，很快我们的医院药系统就会不堪重负，而会造成更多的病例。以下是我们必须马上采取的行动。如果你属于年长者，且患有其他疾病，请在家里。其他人除工作、购买食物或就医外，也应当尽量待在家里。在外面时，保持佩戴口罩，并与他人保持社交距离。还有，勤洗手。另外，不要与以下三种人接触：确诊的阳性病例患者，不要参与人群人群聚力呃聚集。人越多，被感染的风险就越大。避免与他人亲密接触。这个时候，我们应该回到瘟疫爆发前的初始阶段，我们所做的，即用所有科学方法与朋友和家人保持联系，即发短信、打电话。我们不能再等待，应当立即采取以上行动来延缓 COVID-19 的传播。我们要再次强调，我们应当立即行动，阻止更多的新冠病毒的传播，保证我们的医院能够给每个需要的病例提供服务。我们不想看到更多的人失去他们的朋友或亲人。我们能够做到，而且我们以前做到过。我们不能让我们为之服务的一切付之东流。我们曾经减缓过疫疫情，我们必须团结一致，扭转目前的局势。达克菲尔的那个资料头中有几个特别重要的数据，在这里要提一下。最近几周，新冠病毒测试阳性率从百分之四点六上升到百分之九。第二，百分之四十的酒吧和百分之三十三的餐厅没有遵守社交距离的规定。百分之九五十四的酒吧和百分之四十四的餐厅里面的员工没有佩戴口面罩。第三。过去的两星期内，年轻人
及十八到四十岁之间的病例增加了百分之四十。That's all for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.